as the sun slipped beneath the low skyline, or shimmered between the elevated BART tracks and the low-hanging apartment buildings at the end of the block, our house by the corner of Peralta and Gilman took on a frenzied energy. My sister and I were hustled in and out of the shower. The heavy scent of roasting chicken and potatoes wafted from the small yellow kitchen. My dad would run to the back door and open it as the windows steamed and soft smoke turned the rooms hazy. His hips and eyes swaying to whatever guitar or crooning banjo emanated from the speakers that week. As a child, I loved this Friday madness, like our house was an overturned snow globe shaken and thrust into action. Someone would call my sister or I to set the candles and the other to set the table, and we would come running out, hair like a wet towel stuck to our skinny backs. As the westward-facing windows turned a blinding gold, and the incessant traffic on the corner screeched and shuddered and puttered on, the Shabbat would finally come in. The stove was turned off, the lights turned on, and we made our way from behind doors and walls and leafy houseplants to squeeze together on the living room couch. My parents have always worked hard, always full-time jobs, often in other cities with long commutes. They came home late and came home tired and frustrated and itching for sleep, and many nights I would wake, wake late to the sound of the front door being unlocked and opened, of heavy footsteps past my bedroom door, light switches being turned on and off and on again. On Friday nights, though, everything culminated, a taut rubber band. With the lighting of the candles and the prayer that followed, the tension swung deeper and higher. As the last words fell, the band would break. My favorite memory is that of my mom's sigh. With the smell of Shabbat and the silence of a prayer ended, the band snapped and took flight, her sigh dispelling every worry, every frustration of the week, like a ripple subsiding. Shabbat evenings took place around the dining room table. The wine was blessed, the action of washing hands was blessed, the bread was blessed, and after what felt like an eternity, the meal began. As the night turned blue outside, someone would get up and close the door, and the stories would begin. Each table has held legends, formal stories and drawn-out anecdotes with no end, childhood recollections and fantastical novels of mermaids and teenage killers. The stories started with notes on a day, or a friend, or a conversation overheard on the train. From there they spiraled, leading my sister and I into the captivating worlds of my mother's childhood. Spanish Harlem gave way to Manhattan's smog-filled skyline, to Italian villages whose houses had only circular windows, which rose along the table's edge as characters erupted from her laughing mouth. It is strange to think that I am as much a part of my mom's legacy as she is mine, that I have grown more disconnected from my childhood self. The stories she begins to tell me are often my own. To think that my legacy does not begin where hers ends is as reassuring as strange as the legacies themselves.